It's a Black Light Mass Incarceration Show. I am your host, Sierra Cobb. Black Light Mass Incarceration Show is a space that is used to uplift the unheard voices of the criminal and social justice issues that many face today. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. My name is Christopher Moore, but a lot of my peers know me by Hood. I was born in Durham, North Carolina, to a Miss Frida Ward and a Carlton Newman. I grew up in a project most of my life. And uh, had siblings, three sisters, one little brother. They all have the same dad. I have a different dad. So I always felt like the black sheep of my family. I always felt like the outcast. Growing up, my mom really worked all the time. She worked two jobs. So in the beginning, it was me and my older sister. And while she was in school, my mom uh, had her, her homegirl used to watch me. And I remember at the age of eight, uh, her, her best friend molested me. She uh, basically forced me to do all sex on her. And this occurred since I was eight to the, maybe the age of 16. So you could say I was forced to grow up real fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up around, like I said, my mama used to work all the time. And my stepdad, for as long as I can remember, he was using crack cocaine and he was an alcoholic. So he was very abusive, mainly to me because I wasn't one of his kids. And I guess that reminded him of, you know what I'm saying, the time my mama crept out on him. So I used to be physically abused all the time, emotionally, also mentally. Mm-hmm. I never really felt I was good enough. And at the age of 11, well, hold on a second. Let me ask you this. Did you ever tell your mom about what her friend made you do, or you held that in for a while? No, this is really the first time I've ever told anybody. So, you know what I'm saying? I've just coming around to the point of letting most of my feelings go and telling other people about what I've been through. Right. So, that she still doesn't know, and one day, I plan to tell her when I when I am released about everything. Um, I still haven't told her how my stepdad used to beat me, and you know I used to. I'm used to holding things in and letting my anger out in a different manner. You know what I'm so, well, I can relate to that. I used uh, to get beat by my stepdad and my mom. I think she knew, but I think you know how sometimes when you're in a financial situation, you kind of ignore things because, like, before him, she was single, you know what I'm saying? He had a good job. So he used to beat me and my brothers, and, you know, it was like I told her, but she wouldn't listen. So I, I feel you on that. Yeah, I think that's kind of the reason why I never told my mom is because I felt that, most of the beatings were my fault. You know what I'm saying? I never felt, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, I never felt like 
I was even matter. You know what I'm saying? So, and plus she was working two jobs. She was the only one paying bills. So I didn't want to put no more strain or stress on my mom. You know right, saying? right. Because she's a strong-willed type. She's always there for people when they need her. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So my mom is I just, I just felt like it was, it was supposed to happen. You know what I'm saying? And that eventually led me to going running the streets. I was 11 and 12 years old. I, you know what I'm saying? I started joining, I joined the gang, I joined the crib. You know what I'm saying? And from then, it was, my grades started going down and I started skipping school, started hanging out, you know what I'm saying, with the older dudes on the block, doing breaking and entering, you know, robbery, you know what I'm saying, participating in, you know what I'm saying, hurting others, and, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, you were and all that good stuff. Because you were traumatized and you didn't know you couldn't let that what yeah, happen. Yeah, right. Go. I didn't know a way. I didn't know a way to express myself other than with anger and violence. Right. You know what I'm saying. So by eleven to about sixteen, seventeen, and at the same time while all this was going on, the lady who used to watch me, she still molesting me, and when I was sixteen. You know what I'm saying? It was the first time she forced me to have sex with her. So I've been literally dipping with older women all my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, she used to tell me that don't tell nobody. You know what I'm saying? Or you, they're not going to believe you. And, you know, it's your fault that this is happening. And all that stuff, you know what I'm saying? Just manipulating me into me doing what she wanted me to do. You know what I'm saying? So... 16, we ended up having sex or whatever, and that lasted for about a year. And 17, that's when I met my baby mother and got her pregnant. She was pregnant with my first child, my little girl, Zamaya. So at that time, I'm not going to school. Um, I think she moved to an apartment complex and somehow got my daughter taken, so the courts was coming to me, asking me, you know what I'm saying, did I want to step up and, you know what I'm saying, get my rights for my daughter. Mm-hmm. So I end up signing my rights all over to my mom, but my mom ain't want the responsibility, so I lost my daughter, my first daughter, to foster care when she was like four years old, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I've always dealt with that. And then the molesting, and then on top of that, all the running the streets, doing the game banging. I, I seen my first dead body when I was maybe 15. You know what I'm saying? Like, just different different events. You know what I'm saying? And leading up to what I'm incarcerated for now. And I think when I was maybe 18, 19, I robbed a guy, and he put money on my head for people to kill me. I was kidnapped. I was beaten. They took me to the Eno River to kill me, but I escaped. I, I dove in the river. I escaped. So that's more trauma on top of the already traumatic life that I had already had been experiencing. Mm-hmm. I think I first went to prison in 2002, 2003. Uh, no, 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 no. I first went to jail in 2003. I first went to prison in 2012, the 14th. That's when I met 
your husband, you know what I'm saying? When I was in prison in Morrison, I met him. Then his name was Killer, and he was a whole totally different person than who he is now. But I did time for an armed robbery. I did three to five years. Came home in 2016, and I was out 10 months, maybe off parole two days, and that's when I caught the body that I'm currently serving time for now, which is a 16 and a half to 21 year sentence. Mm -hmm. um, they basically charged me with armed robbery, attempted armed robbery, capital murder, and a firearm by felon, which I played out 16 and a half to 21 years. And I've been serving that time now going on seven years. And a lot has changed since then. Like, oh, but before that, though, I also was shot in the process of this murder charge that I was facing. Mm -hmm. I, I, I shot twice in the chest. One bullet collapsed my lungs. I died on the table twice. Woke up in the hospital like a week later, and my brother was there. He told me I had murdered the guy or whatever. Police came in there, read me my rights, and charged me with murder. So now, six years later, I could say this whole experience, just the whole, the whole aspect of the whole experience has really changed me. You know what I'm saying? I knew that you could die, but until I flatlined twice, I actually died. died right. You know what I'm saying? I never really grasped like how important and how you know what I'm saying real life is. So I've been. Studying, you know what I'm saying, spiritually. I, I just strip my spirituality, you know what I'm saying? That's why I talk with your husband about, you know what I'm saying, spirituality, the mind, the body, the soul. You know what I'm saying? I'm changing my ways by, see, currently I've been gangbanging over 20-something years. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the process now of getting out of the gang, which is when I turn 35 next year. I can I can lay my flag down. I don't have to bang anymore. I don't have to answer nobody. So I'm doing that. Since I've been incarcerated, I have got my GED. I have been taking courses. You know what I'm saying? Culinary. I, I really want to do culinary arts. This is just um art institute, culinary arts institution in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Like when I when I am released, I can call them. They will house me in the the Culinary Institute in Cleveland, and they will pay me to go to school. So I'm going to look into that. I basically just surround myself by positive people, people who I can learn from. If I can't learn from you, you're no good to me. You know what I'm saying? I don't deal with the politics of prison. You know what I'm saying? The, the drama that comes with being in here every day. It's easy to get adapted to yeah. the prison politics culture. Yeah, because... It consumes you everywhere. It's, it, it takes skill and coping skills to be in a dorm with 33 other people. That's 33 other personalities on top of the ones I have. And it takes a lot out of you because you got different values, different points of view. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You have homosexuality in here. You know what I'm saying? You have people who you really can't blame them for what they were taught, even though it was wrong, but right. you just have people in, you have you have good people in here, but overall, you, 
have people who love to stay in drama and love to stay in trouble. And me transitioning from where I was to this new person is is it's an everyday it's an everyday challenge. You know what I'm saying? And but that's I'm just trying to transition myself. It's always going to be a challenge yes, when you when you're striving for something new and different that you've never done. You know what I'm saying? Yes, and on top of that, like the, the last six months has just been like I just found out I have a, a younger daughter. She's 13 now. Her mother passed away on Father's Day, so I have to get my mind right to go out there and be a good father for her. You know what I'm saying? So I'm basically on my grown up, my grown man. I ain't got time for the drama, the bullshit. Your 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 husband is really helping me. You know what I'm saying? Grasp. The, the whole possibilities of working on my mental health and just working on my spirituality. And that's important. Are you feeling unheard after a negative encounter with a law enforcement officer, sheriff, or correctional officer? Visit the Emancipate NC website to report your encounter. Any individual can use the Emancipate NC form to report a police encounter, upload video, photographs, or other evidence, and share their information with the U.S. Today's National Police Misconduct Database. Share it with your friends and family members and community. Our communities have the wisdom and the data we need to keep us safe from rude police. By crowdsourcing this information, we will be able to analyze departmental trends mobilize campaigns for accountability, and file more effective litigation. Remember, we keep us safe. Sponsored by Emancipate NC. All right, so what I wanted to ask you is, what do you think could have been different if you would have had a mentor or a program that helped you get past and release that trauma? Like, what do you think could have been the difference if those options were available? I mean, I really think I could have been someone great. I mean, I know I still can, but I'm very, very talented. One of my passions was um, going to the Olympics because I was a good gymnast, you know, so I could flip real good. Um, another passion I had, uh, I wanted to be the first Chris Brown. Like, I was into dancing, and also I wanted to be a choreographer and, you know, choreograph music videos. Like, but if I, if I would have had the uh, mentorship and, you know, a big brother, a big sister, you know what I'm saying, to guide me, also I'm on the right path, I really think I could be someone great. On top of everything else, I rap. I'm a poet. You know what I'm saying I can, I can act. I'm very funny. Everybody tell me I should be a comedian, but I'm just, you know what I'm saying, I just want to be able to tell my life story. You know what I'm saying. Hopefully, now that I've told it, it will impact somebody else to do great things. But I would have had the guidance that you know what I'm saying I desperately needed. Mm-hmm. I really, really think I can be someone great. Okay. And that's the reason why I asked that, because, I, you know, I want the audience and whoever else listens to this to understand why it's important to have uh, Big Brother, Big Sister programs, why it's important to invest in peer support, 
why it's important to invest in programs like yoga where people can go and release, actually release that trauma because trauma can cause you to be a totally different person just because you're hurting and, you know, we're human and we don't know how to handle all those emotions, especially when a lot of this stuff happens at a young age, your body, your mind is still developing and you don't know how to handle that overstimulation. So I ask that because I want people to understand that it's important to invest. Like this is how we keep people out of incarceration. This is how we keep people off of drugs is investing in the community, in the people, not in incarceration, because that is never going to keep the public safe or yes, invest the community. It is, it is very, very important because now that I've told my side, know I'm saying my story, like I feel, I feel light. Like I feel like a burden is lifted off me. Also, I feel like okay, I don't have to walk around with that anymore. Know what I'm saying. It's good for my mental health because right now, I've, since the incident, I've suffered from depression, anxiety, and PTSD. Like, mm-hmm. like, and the medication that they had me on is not working. Like, I was just telling Breezy, I was just telling Jeffrey earlier, like, man, I need to get all these medications, man, because it's not really doing anything for me. Like, it's making me worse. It's making my my depression severe. Like, mm-hmm. to the point where I be thinking of sometimes taking my own life because one thing I hate about being in prison is that we become burdens to a lot of people. I feel like we become burdens, like we're another deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, and with the way inflammation is and the way the world is now, it's like I feel like a lot of people don't even want to have anything to do with me. You know what I'm saying? Let alone put money on the phone so I could talk to my nieces and nephews or, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. answer my phone calls when I call because they always feel like I want something. So all I want to do is check on the nieces and nephews that I don't know, that I don't have a relationship with because I'm in here. And they've been born since I've been gone. So they're more like my, it's kind of like my second chance at being a parent because, like I told you, I just found out I got a 13-year-old daughter. Like, I just found this out, like, probably within the last year. So she's been on this earth 12 years without her father. So that's, that's another cycle that could have been broken. But you know what I'm saying? And then she lost her mother, and, right? Yeah, her mother died on Father's Day. So now she's traumatized. So, yeah, so she's traumatized because she don't know me. And she get to contact with my sisters and my mother and them, but she's wondering where's her father, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I'm locked behind bars because somebody tried to rob me, and I defended myself. Like, the dude pulled out a gun and shot me and told me to give up whatever I had. And at that moment, I felt like it was a life or death situation. And with my case, it's like, I feel like I'm doing time for my past. I'm not even doing time mm. for what they say I did. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So that, that's exactly what a lot of people are going through. That's what had, reason going through. <laughs> Same thing. I had to ask the judge, like, in a life or death situation, is it going to be you or the other person? And she couldn't even look at me and answer me with the answer I knew she would have gave. Like, you know what I'm saying? What's the point of us having the right to bear arms if you can't even protect your own life from somebody else 
people. He's trying to take what you have. And I understand that I was out there robbing people, and I knew I wasn't exempt from being robbed, but she told me, the DEA basically told me, oh, you a drug dealer. You know the risk of what you get yourself into. I'm like, a pharmacist is a drug dealer. They sell drugs all day, every day. Listen, Does that mean they're going to get shot? Listen, the United States is drug dealers. You hear me? That includes these state actors. They're the ones that brought the drugs here. But anyway, go ahead. You know what I'm saying? So, and then, like, these past six years have not been easy. Like, my older sister, the one I'm closest to, other, other than my, all my other siblings, you know, she's into church, she's a Christian, and she wouldn't talk to me for the first three years because of what everybody was saying about me being a murderer, and I'm out here in the streets, I done killed somebody, and she started judging me like they were judging me in the church. You know what I'm saying? And that really, really hurt me to my core because... Not only is she my sister, she was like a mother to me. Like, my mother used to work all the time, and she helped raise me. So I look at her like a mother as well as my sister. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's her feeling like that. Like, oh, your brother's a cold-blooded murderer. I'm a monster. You know what I'm saying? That took a toll on me. And plus, I still haven't forgave myself for what happened. I I took somebody, someone else's life. Like, that... That right there in itself is just so much to deal with. Like, I feel like an animal. I feel like that man had a family. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had to sit in court and listen to his family tell me what they thought of me. You know what I'm saying? Like, how they thought I was cold-blooded and I don't, I deserve to die and I need the death penalty. You know what I'm saying? Like, over something that your son initiated. Like, because regardless of what he did, well, that's the importance of restorative justice. And restorative justice is when you bring both families together and you help them heal because they're traumatized, you're traumatized, and so it just leaves people traumatized. And so instead of helping them through that healing, once you heal, then you're able to see on the other side, you're able to see the light and then kind of understand what happened. But when you're traumatized, you can't, especially when you go through a murder and losing a loved one. It's hard to get past that trauma. And if you can't work past it, then you can't work past it enough to say, okay, this person either, you know, whatever happened, happened. And so, you know, whether the other person was responsible or you both were responsible, still, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I've, I've got accustomed to just tucking, emotions and just tucking them in and I know that's not healthy, you know what I'm saying? Like, no. just the last three months, like, the, the girl I was with when I caught his murder charge, I just found out she died last month. And that's why I was like, oh my God, like, for real? Mm-hmm. And then, just this past Saturday, I just found out my little cousin, who my mama took in, basically like a brother to me, he was shot in the head and shot in the chest. And He's fighting for his life right now. And it's like, wow, like, man, how do how do I deal with all this? And I can't and I and I can't do anything. I'm locked in prison. I can do nothing. You know what I'm saying? And that's mm-hmm. the most the most unforgettable feeling of just being able to do nothing. Like I can't control my family. You know what I'm saying? I can't be there when they need me. Because I'm, I'm, I like to think I'm the one that holds the family together. Like, 
I'm the one who gets everybody together. You know what I'm saying? For family time. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has their own family. Everybody has their own kids. My sister is married now. My brother, he has his kids. And my other sister, they have kids. So everybody is, is separate from their immediate family. And I'll be the one who holds everybody together. So it's just, it's been a real struggle staying in here trying to be there for my family. You know what I'm saying? So I'm dealing with that. I'm still dealing with the aftermath of the body and the night terrors and people just now forgiving me for something that happened six years ago or something I ain't have no control over. Right. You know, people just, I still feel like I'm a burden. It's times I don't even want to call my family because I, always, they, I feel like they're automatically going to think, oh, I want some money or... I want, I want this, or I want some money on a tablet when I really just want to call and see if everybody's okay. You know what I'm saying? Because with the time I have, you tend to lose people in prison. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you can uh, lose your whole livelihood in prison. Everything yeah, you knew. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And, like, the world that, that y'all are living in now, I don't know that world. I don't know that well at all, like, it's scary, like, every time I look at the news, it's somebody shooting up this, or somebody shooting up that, like, you can barely even go to the store without something, a mass shooting happening, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, it's like, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to go back in that world, you know what I'm saying, like, I have 10 years left on this sentence, but it's like, seven years is gonna come up just like that, since, since I've been shot and I've been gone, so it's like, Damn, how the world is going to be in 10 years. What the hell am I going to do? Like, that's why I'm trying to acquire all the skills I can while I'm in here. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell, I don't even have a plan besides the culinary arts thing I was telling you about. But other than that, I don't really want to go back to Durham because I have a, I have a murder charge. So that's a target on my back for the law enforcement. So and this then, is just a thought. Since you want to go cook, why can't you become a chef and then change the food in the prisons and, and show the prisons how they can make nutritious food at a certain cost? Because that's what this one chef has done. Um, He actually, well, he wasn't incarcerated, but he did go change the food in the schools, and now he's actually working on the prison system. Um, And he even changed the food in your community. Like, you know, you could be a chef and feed the homeless. Like, you could do a lot of stuff with that. Like, it's a lot of different ideas you can come up with being a chef. Literally. Yeah, I have to I have to sit down and draw the blueprints and hopefully Jeffrey can help me with it, but can't we get right now? Like they literally have no programs. Like the school like it was a hospitality course they had supposed to open up the counseling. Like you know what I'm saying? They 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 were very short staffed. They barely have enough officers to run this compound. The only way, the only reason why the compound is running smoothly is about the cooperation of it. So they have no school in here. So I just be feeling like I'm sitting around just wasting away because it's nothing to do. No, nah, you can you get in trouble. take that time and make your plan. This is where you take the time and you map out what you're going to do because you don't got long. You know what I'm saying? So take that time and map out what you want to do. Yeah, just take that little piece of nugget and take that with you but i appreciate your story it's very inspiring i 
And I appreciate you for letting me share it. And I also appreciate you for you and Jeffrey for creating a platform for those of us who want to tell our story and we don't have, you know what I'm saying, means to tell it. You know what I'm saying? So I would greatly appreciate you. And I appreciate you to furthermore for changing Jeffrey because a lot of people don't know that man is a 360-degree panel. You're welcome. Thank you. So thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Your host, Sierra Cobb. Take care.